Blog Talk. Good morning and welcome to the Parenting Aces radio show presented by TennisBalls.com. On Blog Talk Radio's You Are Tennis Network, I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and we are talking college recruiting again this week, which seems very appropriate given that we are in the midst of college tennis season with the ITA team indoors finishing up for the men yesterday. Big congratulations to the UVA team for a stellar performance and taking home the championship trophy. And uh, I am looking very forward to today's guest. Sarah Borwell runs a company called Tennis Smart, and it is a recruiting service. But over and beyond Sarah's work with Tennis Smart, she happens to be married to a college tennis coach. So she's got some great inside information on recruiting, how the process really works. And, you know, as we've discussed on this show before and as I've discussed in articles on ParentingAces.com, there are so many untold, quote, secrets about college recruiting. And it seems the longer I'm around the sport, the more I learn and the more I'm kind of surprised by some of these kind of undiscussed aspects of the recruiting process, both from the coaching side, from the NCAA side, from the player side. So the more we can talk about this stuff, the more hopefully you will be prepared as a parent to help your child through the process and avoid some of the pitfalls that so many of us make when going through college recruiting and preparing for college recruiting, choosing a school, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm looking very forward to having Sarah on. And so without further ado, um, let me get her connected. But actually, uh, one quick thing before I do bring her on. Um, It has come to my attention that we have so many more subscribers to ParentingAces.com than we have followers on our different social media outlets. So For those of you listening, I want to encourage you to look for us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Give us a follow because a lot of the information that I post on those various social media outlets never makes it onto ParentingAces.com itself. And there's some really good articles, some really good videos, insights, um, a variety of things that I find just in my daily perusing of the interwebs um, that are, I think would would be very helpful. And and like I mentioned, I usually end up posting them on Facebook or on Twitter or um, I'll post links on our YouTube channel. So be sure and give us a follow on social media so you don't miss anything. All right, that's my last plug for the day. Sarah, I am connecting you now. Thank you so much for being with us and welcome to Parenting Aces. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm I'm excited to get to pick your brain a little bit this morning. And um, I'm sure my listeners can already tell you are of British descent. So um, you have your lovely <laughs> accent, and um, and I'm looking forward to just getting re- getting uh, the ability to listen to you speak for the next hour. But um, before we jump into recruiting and your work with Tennis Smart, can you give my listeners a little bit of background on your life in tennis and how you got to where you are right now? 
Yeah, I um, I actually I was a British junior in Middlesbrough at a, a wonderful club called Tennis World when I was growing up, and my mum and dad are both teachers, so we we didn't have loads of money, but the club was just amazing, and thankfully they kind of advised me to if I wanted to continue my tennis to head over to American University, um, which I did, and had the most amazing experience. It helped me not only kind of grow up and mature, we didn't have to worry about money, and it helped me transition to the pro tour where I ended up uh, 65 in the world for doubles, number one in Britain, played Fed Cup, played Commonwealth Games in India, which was an amazing experience. Um, so that's kind of why I've, I've become really passionate just about helping the next crop of British juniors coming through um, maybe giving them support, which maybe I didn't have when I was younger. So tennis has been a wonderful vehicle for me throughout my 37 years and, and now helping me kind of grow a business, which I also really am passionate about and enjoy. So you shared with me that your husband's a college tennis coach. What's that like, um, you know, being married to a coach while at the same time running a business helping players to kind of navigate through the recruiting process? Uh, it's, it, it makes it easier just to see kind of everything in the background and what's going on on both sides. Um, not to throw out a, um, a shock in the first two minutes, but uh, my wife is actually the a university tennis coach. So I, I have kind of a different mentality of, working with players which is nice um so it, it just helps me kind of see both sides of things before i only saw it as a as a tennis player and from the player side of things but then now from the coaching viewpoint and what they actually go through on a day-to-day -day basis and how how they kind of have to work with the administration how they have to work with the players and how they recruit which it helps me just really understand how i can best place my players. Absolutely. My apologies for making an assumption there. I should know better. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's good. We've probably got more read listeners now. <laughs> well, there we go. I had controversy on parenting aces. What a shock. <laughs> um, okay. So, so let's jump right into Tennis Smart and what was the impetus, I mean, you said you, you know, you were really committed to helping British juniors kind of navigate through being, I mean, you live in the States, so you have a similar challenge to the coaches who are trying to recruit outside of the U.S. in terms of finding your client base and working, you know, across the ocean with them. Um, talk a little bit about why you decided to actually start a recruiting service per se and then let's jump into the particulars of what your service provides and why you think junior players need to utilize a service such as Tennis Smart. Yeah, I guess while I was on the, the tour and traveling the world and kind of there's so much downtime, it's, there's a lot of time to fill. And I kept coming across players who just, 
had no desire to kind of think about college and they thought it was a backward step, but they were also dropping out of school, which for me, after seeing what the the Pro Tour was actually like and seeing how they weren't going to have any academics, it was, I just found it pretty depressing. Um, and also across the board with 15-year-olds, we had a 50% dropout rate for junior tennis players, which again was pretty much because we didn't have any other outlet. It was either the pro tour or bust, really. So as a as a junior at 15 years old and as a parent of that junior, knowing how much tennis costs, you, you tend to think, well, is it worthwhile as putting in all this money when we're obviously not good enough to be the next Andy Murray or Johanna Conta? So I started helping Brits for free, in 2005, just placing them into American University and making sure that they had guidance and they understood the rules and um, that they just knew that there was another outlet and an outlet which you cannot find it anywhere else in the world. Um, and it kind of grew and I started enjoying it more than actually competing. So once I was coming to the end of my career, um, it all kind of snowballed into Tennis Smart, which we have now, and we, we place more British juniors than anyone else. And it's it's gone from not only a, a recruitment and placement company, but also a player transition company. So we not only help with your placement and support into a, an American university and looking after you while you're here, but we also help players transition to the pro tour and we also help them transition to the working world. So if they want um, a job in journalism or maybe work in management, marketing, we help with that. So it's just when I was growing up, although I had an incredible support from my club and my parents, I didn't really feel I had support in understanding what else was out there for me and it's for the players and the parents knowing that it's affordable I can give you my viewpoint in an honest way um, and I'll look after you all the way through just to make sure that if you do want to continue playing tennis America is a great outlet but also with the mindset that American University isn't for everyone and we have some wonderful opportunities in British universities as well so that was kind of the the whole process in mind and it just seems to be growing each year as I have more and more ideas of how to help basically. That's so interesting and well you know you're you're pretty savvy in terms of social media I see you out there all the time and so you're not um, you're not blind to the fact that there is kind of an, a rumbling, maybe more than a rumbling, maybe rumbling's too too easy a word, um, from American parents that feel like all of the college spots are being taken by international players and that there are fewer and fewer opportunities for American kids to get scholarships at universities. How do you address that, and, and where do you stand on that? I, again, being married to a coach who faces the challenge of finding mm. the best players possible for her team, that sometimes means going outside the U.S. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I understand their worries and everything, but first coming from a placement company viewpoint, there's coaches who are desperate to fill their rosters, even June, July time. So there's plenty of places out there if American players really do want to play tennis there's always room like that there's always someone looking late in the day and I've never had any problems with placing my players and even those who perhaps aren't of a very high level but they just love playing tennis and they love being on a team so there is opportunities out there it just depends if you want to go off into the smaller locations which aren't Florida and California and kind of think outside the box. Um, in terms of recruiting as a coach, I know having been at Iowa for six years, um, you're competing against Michigan, Northwestern, for the really top American student athletes. And a lot of the time they would go to Michigan or Northwestern first before they would choose an Iowa now, in order for Iowa to be competitive, if we can't get the top American recruits, then you would have to fill the top of your roster with international players. And that's the same for every team. So if you got rid of the international players, you would literally have about 20 very, very, very good teams and there would be no one else being able to compete. So it would, in my mind, probably destroy the level of tennis that we have currently in college tennis because the strength in depth is the best I've ever seen. It's the, the top teams are getting stronger, but you go all the way down now to about 150, 160 ranking in division one and the depth is incredible. So without the internationals, college tennis really wouldn't exist on the scale that it does at the moment. And that's why I kind of think that you, we should all welcome internationals in just because it, it helps with the competitiveness um, of the whole brand, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that point up because that's a conversation I've had with several different college coaches who, you know, aren't at the top schools that you were naming among others um, that aren't in California, aren't in Florida, aren't in Texas. And they are so frustrated because even though they have, you know, these phenomenal programs and academically it's not like they're a terrible school or even less than wonderful. I mean, they're still really good educational institutions but they have trouble getting American kids to open their minds and come even look at their programs. And so I think, you know, a message that we're, we're not doing a good enough job of delivering is, you know, American players, if you're frustrated with, you know, feeling like there are too many international players, then open your mind and look outside the top, top, top schools and give these other coaches and programs a chance because, frankly, you know, most of the, the college coaches that I've spoken with prefer to, to recruit Americans. It's easier on a lot of levels to have American yeah. players on the roster. So, um, you know, I think that's a message that we need to do a better job at getting out. But, you know, from from your perspective, um, I 
I have to just ask, you know, does it make it easier when you're working with players who are from another country and may not be as familiar with, you know, the topography, the weather patterns, the the different you know, <laughs> aspects of choosing a school, is it easier to sell them on, you know, a high-quality coach as opposed to, well, yeah, you're not in Southern California, but, oh, my gosh, you know, this coach is amazing and you're going to get phenomenal training and have a phenomenal educational experience. Um, without, with not helping any Americans, but knowing with the British players, if I had a pound for every time I was asked if they could go to Florida or California in the very first phone call, then I would probably be able to do this for free again because I get that question every <laughs> single time. So it's, mm-hmm. and all I ever say is you, you have to just stay open-minded California and Florida might not be for you and there's some there's some wonderful experiences to be had in Montana to be had in Mississippi in North Dakota because at the end of the day if you enjoy competing and you have a coach who is not only very positive and attentive and will look after you and develop you you could be anywhere that's how I see it and having spent so long in Iowa City where a lot of people would be like, Iowa, where's that? Or calling it Ohio most of the time to get mixed up. And it was one of the greatest college towns I've ever been in for the student athlete. It would, if I did college again, I certainly would consider more so the college town aspects than I went to University of Houston, which is obviously a major city. And But I look at how... The, especially the Big Ten Conference organizes the athletics. And to have an experience like that is something that you can't find anywhere else. So we, we struggle with the same things, but I have been doing it long enough now just to kind of take my time with them and educate them and make sure that they're speaking to the coaches or speaking to the players who are on the team so they get a, a bit of a more of a broader view of actually what's out here. That's great. One of the the challenges, I would think, or another one of the challenges for an international player coming to the States is that they are so far away from their parents. And while the kids themselves may look at that as a big plus <laughs> um, at 18, 19 years old, um, the reality is that there's going to come a time in the four years or however many years they decide to spend at university where they need their parental influence to step in and, and handle issues. And these international kids don't have that luxury. So you, one of the things you said at the beginning is that you help once the kids get here I, I'm curious, just what does that mean, and and how do you have that conversation with the parents of of the student athletes and with the student athletes themselves? Yeah, so with with tennis mart, we we pretty much are looking after players and their parents for about six years, um, and a lot of the time, what I tell the parents is, although I'm mentoring and monitoring the players while they're here it's actually the parents who I spend a lot more time with because they 
once the players are out here, they, they have such an incredible support network around them, whether it's tutors, academic advisors, two coaches, fitness trainers, psychologists, nutritionists. They, they are so well looked after where, and they're so busy that sometimes they forget to actually tell their parents what they're doing. So I spend a lot of time with parents throughout the four years just telling them don't worry what they've said it's not something to worry about or actually that is a bit of a concern let me speak to the coach or let me let me chat to the player so with players especially uh, British players the first semester is usually the most difficult the transition is very hard and you don't tend to realize you're actually in America until about October time when you have midterms, you are very tired, the season's coming to an end, the adrenaline's starting to um, stop, and you then realize, oh, wow, I'm away from home, I'm homesick, I'm not sure this is right for me. And everyone always tends to have a few wobbles. So October time is when, for the freshmen, I tend to become a bit of an agony aunt, just talking them through their issues, what they're worried about, um, and then come January, once the spring starts, they, they're so busy again and they're just loving the team aspect of things. They kind of forget about that wobble and there's no looking back. So I'm, they, they have me on Facebook or calling them, knowing that I'm there for them if they ever need it. And if they need me to maybe chat to the coach or just to find out exactly what's happening because there's always two sides to stories just just to kind of educate them on well this is this is how you address your coach don't make demands but just say coach how can I improve how can I make the team what do I need to do just so there's a, a the better communication um, and that's kind of how I help I, I obviously watch college tennis most weekends and a lot of my players are on these teams so I get to see them and get to watch them compete and grow and and that's that's kind of how we we end up supporting them throughout. So it's it's more with a mindset of them knowing I'm here if they do need something, if something has happened. But most of them are so self-sufficient once they get out here that um, they kind of just flourish and mature and improve. And that that's the most amazing thing for me to see. I have to say that. Of everything I've heard from college recruiting services, and I've talked to a few of them over the years, what you just said about keeping an eye on them once they're here is maybe the most important aspect of what you do. And I don't know if, you know, you probably do realize it um, because you do it, but these players, and this is something that, you know, I continue to hear stories about, they really have nobody watching their back if things are not going well for them. You know, if, if they're having issues with a coach or with the assistant coach, there's, there's no organization or um, series of steps in place for them where they are the primary concern. So, you know, if they go to the athletic department, more often than not, the athletic department takes the side of the coach. 
Um, there's no the NCAA is supposed to be out there to protect the student athletes, but we all know that tennis is kind of the you know the poor stepchild of the NCAA um, since it's a non-revenue sport. So there's not really anybody at the at the NCAA to turn to either. And I think it's invaluable for these kids to have you as a sounding board. I mean that's huge. Yeah, and it, it's something I love doing as well because a lot of the time, well, I was the same at 18 coming over and thinking I was an adult and I knew what I was talking about, but a lot of them will come to me with gripes and moans. They're not really, it's not really an issue. And I'll be like, listen, I don't know, John, what your coach has said to you is acceptable. Like he's trying to get the best out of you. He's pushing you just have it open communication with him and understand he's trying to do his job and, and to win as well. Um, so it's just allowing them to kind of understand that what's happening isn't a problem. Like this is normal. It's, it's, it is um, a business. Like we have to win. We have to get the best out of you. You are getting a $200,000 scholarship a lot of the time. So you can't kind of have a normal lifestyle as a student would where maybe you're going out partying and drinking. So I think I just give not only my experience of how I may have screwed up with not understanding the coach-player dynamic, but just helping them think, okay, this is normal. I just have to work hard and go from there. But then if there is a – sometimes there are problems with coaches and it's just not a very good fit. Um, as Brits, we do a bit, we do like the sugar coated kind of coaching style where we are giving positive feedback a lot of the time as well. And if someone's not getting that and they are struggling, then I, if I don't have a good relationship with that coach, I might not reach out to them, but I can at least tell them, listen, there are ways if, if it doesn't improve for you to leave, but let's try and figure out ways for you to start enjoying it and get better. So I think for parents especially, that kind of service does help them and it it does help them feel a bit more inclined to send their child over here for four years and not come home as often. Yeah, I mean, as confused as we American parents are about how things work once our kids go to college, I can't even imagine how it is for somebody in another country that, you know, doesn't have um, direct experience, you know, if they haven't come over here to play a sport or even just to go to school, you know, then it's got to be so foreign for them. Um, And I think, again, that aspect of what you do may be, from the parent's perspective, the most valuable part of working with you. Uh, it's got to give the parents peace of mind to know that they've got an advocate stateside that their kids can turn to. Yeah, I hope so. Like, the whole reason I started Tennis Smart was to help the parents and not only the players, but to, to help the parents with kind of feeling like they have support and I can't fund them or give them money, but I can at least offer my support and guidance. And that that's kind of the best part of my job, just having someone just say, oh, thank you. They've, they're really having the time of their lives and that what they've come out with is invaluable. And, and that's the reason why I ended up retiring and doing this. It's just, it, it's a really rewarding job every single day. And I'm very lucky to be able to do it. 
Well, given that you're in communication with the parents, I'm curious how the parents of your student athletes feel about not being able to come see their children play in college. I know, you know, being a parent myself, um, the weeks that I can't be at the matches, it's, it kills me, you know. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, ah, what's going on? You know, how's my kid doing out there? Um, how do those parents handle that? And, you know, are you – do you keep them in the loop in terms of, you know, sending live scoring links or whatever if the school happens to have that? Um, how, I mean, what do you hear from them about that aspect of things? Well, for their nerves, knowing um, how my parents felt when they were watching live scoring for me, I'm not sure that helped too much. But um, the uh, yeah, with trying to get the websites out, and now that coaches and colleges are really trying very hard to kind of promote their brand and live scoring our play sites is just an incredible tool for that. I know a, a lot of spending time following following it um on the internet which might help it might not for the nerves but i th- i think w- with this day and age this with social media everyone kind of well half the time i i might not see someone for 7 years and it'll feel like a blink of an eye because you've got skype you've got facebook you've got whatsapp so i i don't ever really get those kind of requests cuz most of the parents are already watching or following on live scoring um and then they do tend to drop in during springtime at some point to to watch the matches, which I know that they they go home and tell everyone about it because it's just it's so different out here with everything that goes on. And it's I know when I went on my recruiting trip to Rice University, and I could just couldn't believe the scope of like how big the facilities were, how incredible the team setup was. Um, so it's just totally different, but they get to follow a lot on live scoring and place the play site thing's amazing as well. So hopefully more and more of the smaller colleges can also maybe not use play site, um, but something where they can get it out on social media so you can watch your son or daughter compete. Yeah, that would be fantastic. That's That's kind of one of my <laughs> big pet peeves right now is, how many schools just don't have access to the technology because of funding limitations or whatever. And so I'm really hoping that's going to change. I'm hoping we get some big corporate sponsors involved in college tennis that can help these schools um, at least provide live scoring updates, if not live streaming play site and play sites. Amazing. I, I love getting to watch the matches on play site, but at $10,000 a court, it's not a feasible option for every program. So I get that. Um, yeah. So the the way that you and I connected, I want to just kind of get back to that, was there was a discussion on another coach's Facebook page about tennis rankings, college rankings, and the fact that most of the ranking organizations right now are only ranking the top 25 teams, though I will say tennis recruiting has um, kind of blown that up a bit, which is exciting, and they've expanded their rankings. Uh, As someone who sits on the ranking committee for USTA, I will say 
it takes a lot of work just to get my list of yeah. 25 every week. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess if you have an algorithm and your, you know, your brain works that way and you have, you can plug yeah. into something and spit out rankings. It's a whole different story. But me, I'm looking at the results of each team and trying to, to order them. Uh, it's a little more challenging, but so one of the the issues around that is that it becomes difficult for the schools that are outside the top 25 or even top 50 to recruit. And the question came up and, and you chimed in, um, you know, as a recruiting professional, how do the rankings play into your work and, you know, how important is it for you to be able to say to a PSA, a potential student athlete, you know, I'm sending you to look at, you know, the number 64th ranked school. Um, what, what does that mean from a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, for me, just like they get obsessed with the states of Florida and California, it's the same with rankings. And especially in Britain, because we're such a small country, we don't realize that the level of tennis and for the juniors in Britain doesn't really come close to what's on offer in American college. Like it's hard for them to kind of understand the the whole level and how you have players of WTA and ATP ATP rankings coming into college so that the level now is the strongest that I think I've ever seen it so to have a player who says I only want to hear from top 75 schools it it's something I have to constantly have a conversation with because one the rankings at the beginning were never correct and they changed so frequently that someone might just choose a school based on its ranking when they then might, that might be their senior year of players where they're obviously going to be at the best and they might then have to rebuild. So the players chosen their whole four years based on a ranking, which might actually not be there when they get there. So the rankings for me were always a bit of a headache because they also wouldn't look at strength of schedule which I realize for the power fives, if you're playing all of the power fives, you're going to have wins over ranked teams and the mid-majors might then not have a stronger schedule. But there were ranking teams where their schedules were relatively weak. They never lost and they would creep into the rankings. So for me, if you are going to have that many rankings, it has to be a system which actually is correct. Otherwise, we're kind of promoting in an inaccurate system, which for me doesn't help place players. Um, now with it moving to top 25, the questions I've had regarding rankings have kind of stopped really, which is quite surprising because it's only just happened, but they're now understanding more to ask about the strength of the schedule. Like as, as a player, where will they play on the team can they win 50% of their matches in their freshman year? The, the, the schedule's strong to balanced or it's, it's weak to balanced. Like it, we all look at, well, for me, I look at exactly how this player can help that team. We all want to be a key player. We don't want to be a player where the coach has to think, oh, where can I put 
Lucy on this team because sometimes she'll win, sometimes she won't. So trying to educate my players on you want to be a key player. Your coach wants to know that you are going to be reliable to get that W because that's that's the main thing. If if you're playing number one or playing six, it's if we know 100% of the time we can rely on Lucy. And now that we don't have to worry about the top 75, the players are starting to look at that. They're looking at the coaching style, um, where they'll play on the team, the strength of the schedule, some the size of the school still, but all the important factors which are going to help make them happy is what they're focused on now rather than the actual ranking. So for me, it's a great thing and I'm happy with it, but I know, well, as you know from that thread, a lot of people also. Um, so it, it's an interesting debate and it was interesting talking to Chad as well about how his players obviously think about the memory of when they first got the ranking first time in history, which I also, I understand, but I don't know, winning, winning conferences and going to a mid-major, which is run by a coach like Chad, who is a brilliant up-and-coming coach. I, his players really develop, his, co- his teams always improve. I just think now it's easier for me to send to a team like that because I don't have to then discuss, well, this is why they're not ranked. But Chad is amazing. He's such a good coach, and he's going to really build this program into a, into a top program. So that's kind of how it helps me as a, as a placement company. Got it. Interesting. And UTR just came out with their their UTR fit um, a kind of piece of, of their website. And by the way, listeners, you have just seven more days to take advantage of getting a free month of premium service on UTR. So if you haven't done that yet, please take advantage because that's a nice little perk. Um, but Sarah, so how does UTR factor in? Um, I know they've, they're working with uh, the Tennis Federation in Great Britain to get results in. Um, there have been UTR tournaments in Great Britain. And so I'm curious as a recruiter, how do you recommend the players use UTR or is it even a factor in the work you're doing right now? Yeah, it's um, UTR is brilliant for me. Um, I've been working with Bruce at uh, UTR for a few years now. And for a time period when the LTA weren't sending in results, I was kind of helping with that, um, filling out the draw sheets and sending them in just because the British UTRs were so undervalued at the time, it was very difficult for me to place them. Um, a lot of the coaches do look at the whole package and a player's technique, movement efficiency, work ethic, attitude, but some would just go off their UTRs and wouldn't even consider looking at a player because their UTR was, I don't know, down in the tens. And so having to chat to them about how the LTA don't send the results in so our ratings aren't correct um, was very time-consuming and also just difficult for me because although I like to give my assessment and I gather all the information, in the back of your mind you are 
thinking, oh, God, I hope I, I don't make a mistake here because I like to be honest with the coaches and I, I never – well, in my 11 years of doing it, I've never said, oh, this guy's going to be number one and then he doesn't make the team. Like, I'm always very honest with where I think they'll play. So now that the LTA send in the results, it's brilliant because the the system right now in Britain is a little difficult. If If you haven't been playing or if you have missed a ratings jump, it's very hard to kind of find tournaments and to actually get into tournaments and also a lot of people worry about their rating and about winning and losing and this system with UTR just takes away all that you you just play and if you compete well and you win a set off a really good player then you get rewarded for that and that's kind of that's actually the part of it that I just love where it's about competing until the very end. And even if you lose, to show that you have a three-set match against someone who's a far higher UTR than you is is something which I can really use when placing. Um, so for me, I think it's a, a great system. I It's just another bit of information that I can use to place players. So, um, And I know right now they're working on ways to make it even better and more accurate so that we can look at a player and know where they are currently and whether they where they would factor in on a team. Um, but again, we still you might have a player who is a great junior and they've kind of peaked and they'll never won't really improve in college. So you still need to have a look at all those factors as well because if you if you're in Britain and you're in full time schooling and maybe financially you can't afford to travel your UTR is still going to be lower than those who aren't in full-time schooling. Um, And it's usually those Brits who actually develop quicker in college and do a lot better. So for me, it's a great tool, just as all the other tools we can use for kind of stats-wise. But it doesn't take away the fact that you have to be able to look at someone's video, look at whether you think they're going to improve whether they have the foundation to get better so it's just another a great tool for myself and I'm sure the college coaches as well okay great one of the things you just mentioned is looking at video and I just had a pretty heated conversation with somebody about (laughs) college recruiting videos um, the other day and Coaches' attention spans with call, with recruiting videos seems to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, they don't want to waste time, um, you know, just watching somebody being fed balls and hitting perfect cross-court forehands for 10 minutes. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you advise the players you work with to put together a recruiting video, what sorts of things you want to see on that video, and then the feedback maybe that you're getting from college coaches on the videos that your players are submitting? Um, I guess guess my video help guide that I give them, I kind of put together with the help of coaches because obviously it's very difficult with most videos and a lot of players, when they do set up the point situation, you, the amount of times you see someone where they're competing against someone and they're just chipping it back so they can hit winners, um, it 
kills me every time I see point play like that. But I, I think with videos, it, it's it's best to get not only have the cameras in the correct angles, but it's also you want to see the technique and you want to see the movement patterns. You want to see if they clearly know what their game style is, how do they construct points. When they lose a point, what are the mistakes they're making? And these are all the things coaches need to see and that's how I kind of guide my players. Um, we want to see your mistakes. Like it's okay if, if you have a five shot rally and then make an error, but it helps us kind of ascertain whether we think you have potential and you can develop. So my um, videos, it, it's nice to kind of have the angles just so initially I can see the technique of someone and whether there is any glaring issues which might not be able to be changed in the college environment because you don't really have time to. But then the competitive points is, is the best part. And as long as the, the camera's up high on the fence or something where you can see the full court, then I think that's probably what most coaches skip to. And so as long as you're putting together a good match play video side of things that helps me and the coach just understand everything about your game quite quickly. Now, a lot of coaches I know now, once they speak to you, they're then asking for further footage, for match footage, which I think is great as well. Um, if they can't see you in tournaments, so if they can't watch my players at my showcases in June in London, then they go off my assessment of how I view them. And we also compare them to current British players in college as well. So whether they've played them or they know them, we can kind of give a better assessment of, how well they're going to fare once they make it out here. Interesting. Well, you're you're making these transitions so simple for me. Um, you just mentioned your showcases. <laughs> Good. And, it's years uh, of media training. <laughs> I well, you're you're awesome. But this is like the easiest interview ever. Um, so I wanted to talk about showcases because USTA just announced yesterday their very first college combine uh, which is going to be held in June down in Lake Nona at the new National Training Center and um, it's going to be a showcase for American players only but you just mentioned that you offer a showcase for the players you work with in London what is the purpose of the showcase uh, besides the obvious of exposing the players to the college coaches what is it that you know, do you coach your players ahead of time for things that um, coaches might be looking for? Or what are you hoping to accomplish other than the obvious placement? Um, I think for me, I've, I've done two years um, of the showcase. And um, last year, um, I unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I was pregnant, so I had two helpers there, and it was when there were actual major flooding in London, so they did an amazing job to actually get it going, which was brilliant. So hopefully this, this June when I run it, it'll be sunshine like it was the first year. But for me, my mindset when first establishing it was just to offer something else. So it's free for my players. And it's just a great day for them to not only see me, for me to watch them, to chat to them, but 
to also chat to these college coaches that a lot of them have no idea really what college is all about so the showcase is sandwiched between all of the grass court events and it's when all of the very elite uh, D1 coaches especially fly over to watch the grade one ITF at Roehampton so Last year, I had a, a lot of my players actually emailing me afterwards and saying, oh, wow, I got to speak to the Duke University coach. It was amazing. Or we spoke to Ohio State. Coaches who probably won't recruit them, but for them to be able to pick their brains of a, a school that they've actually heard of and are just kind of mesmerized by, it just kind of made their day as well. So the day's about enjoying your tennis, competing with your friends. Yes, you're being watched by coaches. You're being watched by me so I can make a far better assessment. But it's just also just to kind of, if you do get to chat to the coach, ask them questions which are important to you, which I might not know the answer about, or just to get a different viewpoint. And because it's at the National Tennis Center as well, it's a great location to have players and parents come down because there's so much going on. There's the ITF junior tournament going on. Um, Tina Henman had a, um, a day going on with John McEnroe. All of the pro players are there training for Wimbledon. So for me, it was just another great day to kind of enjoy your tennis, get to meet various people and take away the pressure of the placement and just feel like you had another vehicle of actually getting your, I don't know, your, your attitude, your personality out there, which you can't really see on the video. So we, we do our next one June the 29th, and we're going to actually do one on July the 3rd as well, um, two, two days this year. And it's, for me especially, it's just nice to see the players and calm them down a little bit because they do get nervous and just talk to them about the whole process. And that was kind of the reason I like to put the day on it I didn't want to charge anyone I wanted to give them another way of getting getting their personality out there that's very cool have you had success placing players uh, as a result of coaches seeing them at your showcase yes especially for the boys um, a lot of the players were all kind of under the radar because they were in full-time schooling and they weren't playing ITF. So the ITF is obviously a great gauge of their standard, but if you're only playing British tournaments, it can be difficult. So a lot of the players who um, played, especially in the first year of the showcase, have gone to some really top schools because the coach saw them that day. They got to meet them, got to chat to them, and realize that actually recruiting British players is is really pretty good. They they're all tend to be team players academically. They're all very good, and they're they're all kind of desperate to get out in the sun and and compete and have fun. So the first year especially, we had some really top teams, top coaches coming to watch, and all of those those players ended up going to a level higher of team that we might have not been possible if it hadn't been seen live. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. There's a lot to be said for that face-to-face -face contact with the school and the coach and 
you know, it's it's tough. I mean, if if you want to stay for American players, especially, you know, if they want to go to a school that's in the same area where they live, then there's no excuse for not making personal contact with the coach. But if you're looking to go somewhere far away, uh, it's way more difficult. And these types of showcase events can be, you know, I mean, the end-all be-all, really. Uh, it's the, maybe the only way that the player has of making that face-to-face contact. So very cool. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, players have to understand as well that even if on paper you're exceptionally talented and your ranking looks great, if if personality-wise or work ethic-wise there are a few question marks, that's something which will put coaches off. So you might not yet have reached your potential, but if you're, if we know going in that you're going to be a leader on the team, someone who works hard and someone who brings something else to the team, then coaches are going to much rather recruit that player than someone who, yeah, might get a few more wins, but are also going to cause a few more problems. So that's what's nice for the players, just to kind of understand that it's, you, they're looking at the whole package, not just whether you can win a match. Absolutely. Well, we're down to our last few minutes. And and before we close, I want to just ask you if you've ever had a situation where things just did not work out for a player and without naming names or naming schools, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how a situation like that might be handled and, you know, in terms of maybe finding another school for the player or maybe the tennis piece, you know, just ends up not being what they they want. Um, how do you manage that, and how do you kind of bridge between the player and their parent in that kind of situation? Yeah, I think um, over the 11 years, it's obviously happened a lot, because as, as much as I work every single day and are very keen to get the fit right. We, you never really know how a player is going to adapt or transition. Or, and sometimes the coach might just, it might just not work out very well. So there's always going to be people who might not fit in, might not feel like they're in the right setup and they need to transfer. So for a few of mine now who are having a few issues, issues that we're not sure if we can kind of, get through I'll always speak to them first with okay tell me what exactly is happening um how can I help is it really an issue are you just tired um and if if what they say I I do think actually we probably do have a problem here then I will then speak to the parents and we can kind of hash out whether it is worthwhile staying there or maybe we can find a better fit because a lot of the time especially if you're coming over, it might be hard to gauge the level. If you have a whole year in school and you win a lot of matches, it's always easier to be then recruited. And so if if a coach, maybe it doesn't work out, then having you move on as well is, is best for everyone. So I'll just be there and give my honest feedback. I, I'm never going to really sugarcoat things and, kind of blame the coach or anything like that. I'll just say, listen, it's also up to you to just manage your time, get things done, follow the rules. But if you 
can't do that and you think you need to move, then I'll also help. Um, a lot of the times I will check in with coaches as well to see how the player's doing. And if, if a coach also thinks they're lacking in some way or there's a miscommunication, I'll also then speak to the player. So the coach at least knows that they're never going to have major issues with one of my players because I know that the coaches are under a lot of pressure these days as well. And if they have hassle from a player who's causing problems, I, I never want it to be one of mine. I, I'll always make sure that the player knows what's going on. So I just think as long as there's an open communication and everyone kind of knows what's happening, then it makes things a lot easier. So for my players who are struggling right now, all I ever tell them is keep your head down, work hard, get the wins, and then we can address it again at the end of the season when we can then sit down with your coach and see if there's problems. Then you're not disrupting the team and also you're bringing something to the team because you're actually winning. So that that's kind of how I communicate things. And, and they're, they're then fine with that because they know in April, if it is good for both parties to then separate, we can easily find another way. Um, I think a lot of the time, the worriedness and the the problems happen when a player is kind of left and doesn't know how they should handle the situation. So for mine, it's just do what you need to for the team, win, keep your head down, be a good student athlete, and then we can broach the situation again in April once the season's over. And, and that seems to have worked quite well for the the last 11 years because you, you're always going to have people where the fit's just not quite right and that's fine and we just make sure that the transition is easy for both the coach and the player. Fantastic. Well, we're down to our last two minutes or so. So I want to, I, I like to give my guests opportunities to promote their businesses. So if you want to share with the audience how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out more about Tennis Smart and, um, you know, how to reach out. Yeah, if you um, just head on to www.tennismart.net, um, the website, my website, guys, excellent, and it's all being updated. So you'll have a clear idea of all the packages the new initiatives that we're rolling out with the Cliff Drysdale tennis management and the base camps and the training camps for our pro players. So just head to the website and you have all the email and the phone numbers you need to contact me along with all of the wonderful six years of initiatives we have for all of our players. So we only help British players and our mindset is to stop the 50% dropout rate and keep them in school, find them jobs after college or help them go pro. And we're going to hopefully continue to build on what we have now, which is going really well, which is fun. And I, I love it, which is the main thing. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today and, you know, sharing a little bit more about what you do and hopefully alleviating some of the worry um, for the American parents who, you know, are concerned about players coming in from other countries. And, and again, I want to just restate the fact that to the American parents, 
open your mind to opportunities outside the power schools that you hear about all the time. There are some fabulous coaches and fabulous programs out there. You just need to look, and the spots are available, and the scholarships are available. So, um, again, Sarah, thank you so much. And to my audience, thank you for tuning in again to Parenting Aces. We have another great conversation with John Falbo coming on next week's show. So, Looking forward to that. And in the meantime, once again, be sure to follow us on social media so you don't miss a thing. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time on Parenting Aces.